0: welcome to Mana for breakfast the daily bible reading devotional which chronologically takes you through the word of god from genesis to revelation in one year grab a cup of coffee and your bible and join us as we journey together through god's word Good morning, everyone. It is a um, gorgeous morning, and uh, I think I'll be honest. I'm pre-recording this. We are driving to down to the women's conference, so I'm doing this before the sun comes up. But be that as it may, it's going to be a beautiful day, and want to encourage you guys to be praying for the ladies. So, kind of one of our. First real Boyman's Conversation away from the church, you know, doing this special for the ladies. Renee's going to be teaching along with a couple of the ladies. should be really good. I'll be doing worship. So be praying for that if you would. We are in uh, Job 41 and 42. If you want to find your place, Matthew 16. So let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning. As always, please, God, just show yourself strong, guide us, and direct us, give us understanding uh, in. All that you want us to see in these words, in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, closing out Job today. Verse 1, can you draw out Leviathan with a fishhook? Or press down his tongue with a cord? Can you put a rope in his nose or pierce his jaw with a hook? Will he make many supplications to you? Or will he speak to you soft words? Will he make a covenant with you? Will you take him for a servant forever? Will you play with him as with a bird, or will you bind him for your maintenance? Will the traders bargain over him? Will they divide him among the merchants? Can you fill his skin with harpoons or his head with fishing spears? Lay your hand on him. Remember the battle. You will not do it again. Behold, your expectation is false. Will you be laid low even at the sight of him? No one is so fierce that he dares to arouse him. Who then is he that can stand before me? Who has given to me that I should repay him? Whatever is under the whole heaven is mine. I will not keep silence concerning his limbs or his mighty strength or his orderly frame. Who can strip off his outer armor? Who can come within his double mail? Who can open the doors of his face? Around his teeth there is terror. There is strong scales. His strong scales are his pride, shut up as with a tight seal. One is so near to another that no air can come between them. They are joined one to another. They clasp each other and cannot be separated. His sneezes flash forth light, his eyes are like the eyelids of the morning. Out of his mouth go burning torches, sparks of fire leap forth. Out of his nostrils smoke goes forth. As from a boiling pot and burning rushes, his breath kindles coals and a flame goes forth from his mouth. In his neck lodges strength and dismay leaps before him. The folds of his flesh are joined together. Firm on him and immovable, his heart is as hard as a stone, even as hard as a lower millstone. When he raises himself up, the mighty fear, because of the crashing, they're bewildered. The sword that reaches him cannot avail, nor the spear, the dart, or the javelin. He regards iron as straw, bronze as rotten wood. The arrow cannot make him flee. Sling stones are turned into stubble for him. Clubs are regarded as stubble. He laughs at the rattling of the javelin. His underparts are sharp potsherd. He spreads out like a threshing sledge on the mire. He makes the depths boil like a pot. He makes the sea like a jar of ointment. Behind him, he makes a wake to shine. One would think the deep, to be gray-haired. Nothing on earth is like him, one made without fear. He looks on everything that is high. He is king over all the sons of pride. Chapter 42. Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore, I have declared that which I did not understand, things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. Hear now, and I will speak. I will ask you, and you instruct me. I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear. But now my eye sees you. Therefore I react, and I repent in dust and ashes. It came about after the Lord had spoken these words to Job, that the Lord said to Eliphaz the Timonite, My wrath is kindled against you and against your two friends, because you have not spoken to me what is right, as my servant Job has. Now, therefore, take for yourselves seven bulls and seven rams, and go to my servant Job, and offer up a burnt offering for yourselves, and my servant Job will pray for you. For I will accept him, so that I may not do with you according to your folly, because you have not spoken to me what is right, as my servant Job has. So Eliphaz the Timnite, Bildad the Shuite, and Zophar the Namathite, went and did as the Lord told them, and the Lord accepted Job. Verse 10, the Lord restored the fortunes of Job when he prayed for his friends, and the Lord increased all that Job had twofold. Then all his brothers and all his sisters and all who had known him, Before came to him, and they ate bread with him in his house, and they consoled him and comforted him for all the adversities that the Lord had brought upon him. And each one gave him one piece of money, and each a ring of gold. The Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning, and he had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, 1,000 female donkeys. He had seven sons and three daughters. He named the first. Jemima, the second, Keziah, the third, Kedin, Hapuk. In all the land, no woman was found, so fair as Job's daughters. And their father gave them inheritance among their brothers. After this, Job lived 140 years and saw his sons and his grandsons. Four generations, Job died, an old man full of days. So there we have the beautiful ending of the book of Job how he was blessed doubly at the end than in the first. And also important to kind of bring this up that God didn't really see much wrong that Job had said. And that speaks volumes to me because it tells me that um, God was concerned about the content of his character and what people were saying about him. He knew that Job was never... Uh, cursing him all that job was doing was pouring out emotion you know why are you doing this to me god and uh, you must like to (laughs) you must like to just um destroy innocent people or things like that now these were things he said that were not true but this is why it's amazing to me god doesn't hold those things accountable to him he doesn't him or him accountable for those words there seems to be a sense where God can look into our hearts and know what we really think about him and allow us sometimes to just pour out emotions. You know, when you get mad at somebody you really care about and you just blow up at <laughs> them and you go, oh man, I'm so sorry. When you finally calm down, you go, I don't know why I said that. I didn't mean it. And I think God can, he can take it. He, can, he But but you but dare not impugn his character and be pompous about it, which seems to be his friends, they thought they had got all figured out. And and they had thought Job, they had Job figured out, and that Job was the problem when they didn't understand that something that God was doing was to show forth his glory through his servant Job to the angelic world and to even to us today. So the story of Job is so phenomenal with his healing. Now the whole thing about the Leviathan, I love to study that sure sounds like a dragon to me you'll get all kinds of bible scholars that'll do every kind of dance around that uh, It's a hippopotamus um it's an elephant uh, they they come up with all kinds of stuff but it says what it says you either take it as literal or you think somehow god is speaking through job about a mythological creature that doesn't exist to, again, try and give us a comparison to his greatness over the earth and his power and his creative power as well. So I think it was a dragon, a leviathan we see in the Bible. Yeah, there's, there's a lot we could go into there, but we'll just move on, why don't we? Matthew 16 Verse one, the Pharisees and Sadducees came up and testing Jesus, they asked him to show them a sign from heaven. But he replied to them, when it is evening, you say, it will be fair weather for the sky is red. And in the morning, there will be a storm today for the sky is red and threatening. Do you know how to discern the appearance of the sky but cannot discern the signs of the times? An evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and a sign will not be given it except the sign of Jonah, and he left them and went away. And the disciples came to the other side of the sea, but they had forgotten to bring any bread. And Jesus said to them, watch out, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They began to discuss this among themselves, saying he said that because we did not bring any bread. But Jesus, aware of this, said, You men of little faith, why do you discuss among yourselves that you have no bread? Do you not yet understand or remember the five loaves and the 5,000 and how many baskets full you picked up? Or the seven loaves and the 4,000 and how many large baskets full you picked up? How is it that you do not understand that I did not speak to you concerning bread, but beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Then they understood that he did not say to beware of the leaven of the bread, but the teaching of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Verse 13, now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he was asking his disciples, who do the people say that, the son of Manus, and they said, some say John the Baptist, and others Elijah, still others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Verse 16, Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my father who is in heaven. Verse 18, I also say to you that you are Peter upon this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overpower it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on the earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on the earth shall be loosed in the heavens. Then he warned his disciples that they should tell no one that he was the Christ. From that time on, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes, and be killed, and be raised up on the third day. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, God forbid it, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, behind me, Satan, you are a stumbling block to me, for you are not setting your mind on God's interests but man's. Verse 24, Then Jesus said to the disciples, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever who loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in the glory of his Father with his angels and will then repay every man according to his deeds. Truly, I say to you, there are some of those who are standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Okay, we'll stop there. A lot going on in Matthew 16. The teaching of the leaven of the Pharisees. We just kind of covered that in church, looking a little bit in Nehemiah. The comparisons of the bread and keeping the sabbath but it's interesting that um jesus goes out of his way now to get them to see that the whole point of giving the bread anyway to to the people really was it that whole thing about him giving it to him was that the bread had come down from heaven it was the bread of god it was manna now was that bread without leaven that they actually ate could have more than likely Ben. i mean we we do a lot of that flatbread and tortillas and stuff down here in mexico they still do it in the middle east with all their falafels that kind of stuff so it is very likely that the bread that they shared was a flatbread an unleavened bread that was what the jews were kind of known for coming out of egypt of course And he's telling them look out for the leaven." The Pharisees that put in essentially the leaven is what goes into the bread, and we all know that puffs it up. And he gives it the spiritual parallel. Uh, they bring in all their rules and their ritual and all of, of their regulations, and they puff up God's pure word. And and he says, Beware of that. Don't follow it. Don't let them don't let it stumble you. And of course, then he gives the sign. To the, to the Pharisees. that they said, they seek after a sign. They, they want a sign to prove that I'm a prophet or the Messiah, but no sign will give, be given but the sign of Jonah. And then if we see at the very end of the chapter, he begins to tell the disciples that you must go to Jerusalem, you must die and be raised on the third day. He gives them the sign of Jonah. He says, this is going to be the sign of Jonah. It's going to be, I'm going to be in the belly of the earth for three days and three nights, like Jonah was, And then I'll be resurrected, as metaphorically Jonah was. So this is him, again, going out of his way to give this clear teaching of the Word of God. And the teaching, of course, equates with the pure manna, which comes down to heaven, which gives them the understanding. And so he's reminding his disciples of all of this. And they are, of course, saddened about this. And, and amidst all of this, he given this big speech to them and asked him, who do you say that I am? He's doing this. Caesarea Philippi. Rene, Rene and I have been there a number of times. That is the ancients believed was the gateway to the underworld, essentially what we would call hell, many of us. And he's asking Peter, who do you say that I am? Are all the disciples? He says, you're the Christ. This was the area up in the Bashan, right where Caesarea Philippi is where the fallen sons of God came down and were proclaiming their title deed and claim over the earth, wanting to be like God. So we're going to cover this on Sunday in Genesis 6. Jesus is telegraphing the idea now to the to the underworld, to the demonic world, to the fallen ones. I am the Son of God and The kingdom of God will prevail. The gates of hell will not prevail against the kingdom. And the kingdom of God is going to prevail against the gates of hell. going to storm the gates of hell. So this is a very important saying, a very important teaching that he's giving them. His authority over the demonic world and over the fallen ones. Charles Spurgeon, he looketh upon men. And if they say, I have sinned and perverted that which was right and it profited me not, he will deliver his soul from Going to the pit, and his life shall see the light. Job 33, 27, 28. This is a word of truth gathered from the experience of a man of God, and it is ta- tantamount to a promise. What the Lord has done and is doing, he will continue to do while the world standeth. The Lord will receive into his bosom all who come to him with a sincere confession of their sin. In fact, he is always on the lookout to discover any that are in trouble because of their faults. Can we not endorse the language here used? We haven't sinned, sinned personally, so as to say, I have sinned. Sinned willfully, having perverted that which is right. Sinned as to discover that there is no profit in it, but an eternal loss. Let us then go to God with this honest acknowledgement. He asks no more. We can do no less. Let us plead his promise, In the name of Jesus, he will deliver us from the pit of hell, which yearns for us. He will grant us life and light. Why should we despair? Why should we even doubt? The Lord does not mock humble souls. He means what he says. The guilty can be forgiven. Those who deserve execution can receive free pardon. Lord, we confess and we pray thee to forgive. And we do absolutely. We thank you for your forgiving hand. Thank you for the stay of execution over the sentence of our sin and that we are now alive in you. We rejoice and thank you, God. Thank you for the power of the cross. Jesus went into the earth to be resurrected, to conquer death, to show the demonic world and all the forces of evil That He is come down from heaven; that He is the Son of God, and that His death does bring us rest and bring us life and peace. So we thank you so much for that, and we do pray, God, that You would bless the conferences. The ladies now are getting ready; will be getting ready soon to get organized and get the rooms and and um, just receive a a wonderful time of fellowship. Bless that whole this whole time, God. There. We're going to be down there. And thank you for the great report of Maude Melina being clean of cancer. What a, what a answer to prayer, God. We thank you. We acknowledge your hand of healing upon her and for using the doctors. We thank you for them and the nurses, all that you did there. And, God, we pray you continue to keep her clean uh, for, for these, all the years to come. So we thank you for this beautiful day and the fellowship we have one with another with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, guys, thank you very much. Pick it up again tomorrow. Probably do a live from the um, conference center. So I don't know what this streaming speed is going to be like or anything else, but we'll check it out. We'll see how it goes, okay? God bless. See you tomorrow.